It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast, presented by our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health, health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies. They've got four locations to serve you. Plus, you can shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com, the Knoxville location on Kingston Pike, just across from Trader Joe's, three locations in Sevier County to serve you. That is Smoky Mountain Organics. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on the Tuesday edition of the podcast. Plenty to get to. We'll talk recruiting. We'll talk hoops. We'll talk um, who knows what else uh, in this edition of the podcast. Let, let's start first uh, with just a, a couple of quick recruiting things, Austin, with, with the uh, commitment of Aiden Bustle on Monday for Tennessee. Significance of that commitment, uh, both position and the fact that he's an in-state player. Well, I think it's great for, uh, for them to kind of kick off the in-state class. Uh, with Aiden, you know, obviously, you know, Tennessee's, you know, I think land trying to land, you know, north of five kids in, in state, and considering they only land two in the last class, I think that'd be a steady improvement going from 22 to 23. Um, I mean, I think it, I think it hand, it'd land as many as seven or eight um, potentially, but, uh, you know, I think five plus is a good number to kind of start with, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, Aiden's an offensive lineman. Uh, he's the, you know, to me, the top guy on Tennessee's board in state on the offensive line and to, to land him, uh, I thought it was huge. And, you know, to get it done, you know, as you know, before the you know calendar ever turns to February, I think it's an even bigger deal. How did they get it done so fast? And we talked to him in Nashville, um, in, in, in front of the, the music city bowl. Um, you, you could tell, you know, that, that Tennessee had made a good move there and he was feeling Tennessee pretty good. How did it go from, him feeling Tennessee pretty good, you know, late December to end of January, he's a ball commit. Well, I think that, you know, Tennessee had left a big impression on him um, kind of late in the year. And then, you know, when he got over for the junior day, he was smitten. And, you know, he, he resisted all urges to commit last week and took the trip to Vanderbilt uh, because he had a really good relationship with Vanderbilt's offensive line coach, you know, Thought about going to take some trips, you know, in March uh, when it opens back up. But, you know, he, he came back home from the Vanderbilt trip and just knew Tennessee was it. And uh, that's when he called uh, or texted me at 11 o'clock on Sunday night and said, hey, you know, I need to talk to you. And then one thing led to another. And by middle of the morning on Monday morning, I was in Mount Juliet knocking that one out. Rob, you know, Austin talked about the importance of in-state. I mean, year two, Josh Heupel, there was all the Tennessee takeover talk and everything. I mean, reality in this is that in the state of Tennessee, you just it takes a little time to, to get established in your home state just because there's been so much turnover at Tennessee, you think? Yeah, I think so much turnover and so much of a lack of success when you're talking about the big programs in the border states. I mean – Tennessee shares a border with, you know, two teams that just played for the national championship and have done so a couple times in the last three years. I mean, it's just like in the mid-90s when Tennessee was going across the state line into Georgia and cherry-picking, you know, Jamal Lewis and Fred Weary and those kind of guys from Alabama. And, you know, those two schools are doing the same thing. And the difference for Tennessee now is that they have a pretty strong recruiting base compared to what they had. 10, 15 years ago, certainly t compared to 20 years ago when Philip, you know, was 
had things in his prime. I mean, there's there's no comparison. To- I, I think the other thing that ran to, to piggyback Rob is like it, it's become it's become too all too all too commonplace for kids to leave the state. And and the fact that when you look in you know you know you, you look in the Super Bowl coming up in two weeks, you've got T Higgins who left Oak Ridge and went to Clemson. You've got Van Jefferson who left Nashville, went to Ole Miss before he went to Florida. You've got Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, mid-state guy that, you know, went to Florida State. It's become too all, all too commonplace for kids to leave the state. And other kids now say, hey, look at all these guys that left the state. They're doing just fine. Yep. So, and, like, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right. And, and throw on top of that the fact Tennessee's not been successful. Yeah. You know, in, in the middle of all of that as well. I, I mean – how far and again you've got to win I, I think Rob I think Rob's point is exactly right I mean when, when South Carolina was down Tennessee and Clemson was down you can go to Anderson Anderson South Carolina and recruit Sean Ellis Sean Ellis not going to give you a sniff this day and age with Clemson where they're at right I mean that's just the reality of of how things have changed for Josh Heupel in, in Tennessee obviously you have to win but how much further along do you think they are Austin? And I guess it's obvious how much further they are. They are. Maybe the better question is how difficult was last year in hindsight for this staff to try to get a whole bunch done in state in 11 months time? Well, you know, considering most of the guys were coming off the board in the spring or early summer and, and, you know, that was still a dead period. Um, you know, again, I, there were some self-inflicted wounds like, you know, Tennessee wasn't sure what to do with the, you know, Jalen Lewis or, you know, so on and so forth. But like at the same time, like most of it was not their fault. And, um, you know, they are much further along with this 23 crop. Now the 23 crops, not nearly as good as the 22s or potentially even the 24s, 25s, but like the 23s, you know, again, you've got Herring, you got Justin Brown, you got Aiden Bustle, you got, you know, Bryson Sanders, you got Trevor Duncan, Deshaun Bishop, um, Nathan Robinson. You know, I, I think that's just seven I rolled off right there that, you know, you feel like Tennessee's got a better than most chance of landing them. Now, are they going to land them all? Probably not. They'll probably be somebody that, but I mean, I think you've got a chance to land at least five, if not six or, you know, potentially all seven. Um, and, and so, you know, Tennessee's got a much better chance in this 23 group. The biggest thing is they've kind of narrowed down who they really like, and they're really attacking those, you know, handful of kids. Yeah, I think that's the other thing, too, is they've got a better feel for who they want, whereas last year, as you mentioned, because they got here late, they had not recruited those guys as underclassmen when they were at Central Florida. There was much more of a we've got to, we've got to see them. I, you know, I want to camp these guys. I want to look at these guys. You know, I want to get a be- I got to get a better feel for them to know whether or not we really want them or not. And by the time they got to that point, a lot of those guys were off the board. That's not I'm not excuse making for them, nor am I blaming them. That's the reality of what the situation was. Man, I, I, mean, a, I gave year them ago. a free pass for last yeah. year. I really did. I mean, just just the perfect storm of you know COVID. Got, you know, didn't get didn't have a full staff till March. I was going to say didn't have a full staff until almost spring practice. And you had so many kids, you know, that made June decisions or earlier. I mean, I just, I just don't think you can be critical of, of them for what happened in state last year. I really don't. The right, probation looming. Yeah, you're exactly they were, right. To me, to me, they were very fortunate to close the way they did with, you know, a group of kids from out of state that I think can really help the program. Yes, and and some of those guys already here in town working out. Tennessee, it's dead by the way in recruiting. 
for the next month. Coaches can't go on the road. Kids cannot come on, onto your campus. Uh, it, it's, there's no visits. So it'll open back up in March. Um, looks like Tennessee's positioning themselves the first of March, first Saturday in March, Austin with a junior day. You said, I think last week on the podcast, you thought Tennessee had a chance to have a pretty good collection of guys in that day. That day, you still feel that way. How important is it that they get some of these seven guys, six guys that you were just talking about in state on campus? I know Bryce and Sanders and Duncan were here for this January junior day, but they didn't have some of those other guys who were participating yeah, no. in seven on seven here. They'll have Herring, Nathan Robinson. Um, they'll have, you know, Justin Brown. Uh, I think Christian Connors, who's not an in-state kid, but just across the line in Bowling Green. Um, all those kids will be in here. You know, Deshaun Bishop, um, who was not able to come the first time around because he was playing seven on seven in Miami. That the, there'll be a, a you know, all those kids should be here March fifth. Then you start factoring in Tennessee will work hard to, you know, get you know Rico Walker in here. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they're swinging like crazy to try to get Big Burley to come back in here for that March fifth day. Um, you know, again, it just behooves you to get them on your campus as much as you can. Even a guy like Trevor Duncan, you don't take for granted the fact he's just down the road. If you can get him back over here March 5th to hang out with some of those guys, I would venture to say Aiden Bustle is in town. Once you commit, they're really going to be expecting you to roll into town as much as you can because you could help lead recruits. Same thing with Ethan Davis, Jack Luttrell. Um, you know, I think Tennessee will try to go heavy defense on that junior day as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a – a situation where Tennessee will try to have as many kids here as uh, possible. Can 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 Bustle be a, a recruiter? Can can he help them to get the personality? In your opinion, to he does. To really I, you know, some guys. I, I do. I do think so. I think he is. Uh, he's he's really engaging when you talk to him. You know, it's kind of like you know, uh, he had the little edit thing, and I said, "Hey, do you want to do this thing where I kind of you know thank everybody, and then I kind of pan up to the screen and the girl that was the sweetest little girl. She was junior, same age as him, but she runs the jumbotron there at Mount Juliet. So they had to get her out of class, and, you know the whole deal. Stunned, and so stunned, AP took over the school for, for so, a small period so, of time. To, to so, to so I, I, you know, he he starts talking. He's real monotone, and we did the first time, and I said, "Hey, give me a little more energy." And dude, the second time it was like boom. You know, and I was like, and I said, see the difference? I mean, like, he's very capable. He's very coachable. And uh, he's very, uh, you know, he, he's very much a talkative kid. So, yeah, I think he can, you know, um, be someone who can help in recruiting. I don't think he's going to be, like, just, you know, driving people crazy trying to get them to commit. But I also think if he's here for a junior day, he's someone you want as the representative of your program. And Tennessee's offensive line board is not perfectly complete. It's, it's, it'll obviously change. But, but it, it's got a, not a pecking order, but there's an established core of names that, that, that Tennessee seems to be in a solid shape with, not in the, not in the leader category, but, but in, a, in a pretty firm shape with. Well, and we know they want to go heavy in that position group. Correct. I mean, you know, you're right. I don't know if there's a pecking order because Tennessee's going to take, you know, five or six linemen. But I think the biggest thing is, is like they kind of know who they want to go get and – you know, they'll, they'll bird dogs pointed and, and ready to go, ready to go get them. So like, you know, can Elder be real in Sullivan Absher from Charlotte? Can he reel in, you know, Mac, you know, or uh, Sam Pendleton from over in, in, in Raleigh, Winston-Salem area? Can he reel in, you know, Trevor Duncan? Can he reel in Bryson Sanders? You know, so on and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think they kind of know the kind of direction they want to go with those, you know, five, six slots. And, you know, that don't mean that the names won't change because that always does. I mean, you're never going to go bad 100%. But, like, 
when you know a core group of guys, if you can go land a majority of them, you have to feel pretty good about yourself. All right, last um, re- recruiting question here. Everybody wants to know quarterbacks. Tennessee going to get any quarterbacks on campus in March? Yeah, Dante Moore will be here in March. Um, we'll see about Nico. Uh, you know, again, I think, you know, th- that one I'm going to continue to reiterate. The fact that he can earn NIL opportunities right now makes that one different. And so it, it, it's it's really a, a different situation than Dante Moore or Christopher Vizina or, you know, any of these other quarterbacks that are recruiting um, so we'll be interested if he makes it here in March. They tried to get him to come in last weekend. He chose to go to Oregon instead with his teammates. And, uh, you know, again, I think Oregon's the one team on the West Coast you would most be or be most worried about. Yeah, certainly. And, and um, we'll see what happens. And, of course, things will open back up in the transfer portal. We'll see what happens with, with that situation. This Tennessee should have room uh, come May uh, into the spring semester to do some, some transfer uh, recruiting, some portal recruiting, uh, more numbers to work with. We'll see what Tennessee can come up with there. You had a chance to visit with Justin Williams on the locker room on Sunday night, Austin. Um, your, your thoughts on, on kind of where that's at and, and your your vibe on on the, the, the midterm enrollees? Well, I mean, you know, everybody saw what he posted his weight on Twitter, 215. I mean, he weighed 204 on his official visit the 1st of December. And so I said, what have you done at 11 pounds? And he goes, and I said, because it ain't fat. And he's like, man, I've just killed it in the weight room and just ate everything that moved. He goes, I've ate a lot of steak and rice. I mean, I've just been, I mean, I've just been wearing it out. So, um, you know, he, he he's going to enter spring practice, you know, in really good weight shape as far as like what they want to have him at. Um, even a guy like Caleb Webb weighed in at almost 200 pounds, you know, whereas a guy like a veteran like Cedric Tillman, who's been in the program, is like 217. So, like, you know, you, you look at, I mean, Caleb Webb's already established himself as a, you know, physically imposing kid who literally should be wrapped, you know, you know, going through second semester of senior year. Rob, you just, I mean, the, the value of having those guys here and how different this roster can look for spring practice for, for Josh Heupel is, I don't know, I don't know how to qualify or quantify how important that is, particularly you know, in some positions of needs when you, you talk about Caleb Webb, as you mentioned, and help at running back, defensive back. I mean, it's a huge benefit for this team. I, th- I mean, I think it's a huge benefit for the kids. I mean, I don't know how much you expect anybody to, to contribute as a freshman. I mean, unless it's, you know, unless they're a superstar, that's kind of unfair. But I think it helps them so much get a jump start and not really even spring practice so much to me, but being in the weight room in January, seeing what it's like, to be in a college program, the standards, the expectations, how you're expected to work, because it is a lot different than even the best, the best high school program in the country. I mean, there's no comparison. So, I mean, and also I think there's a big benefit to just learning how to be a college student. I mean, I know those guys get here in the summer in July, but it's not the same as having 12 hours, you know, maybe a lab, something like that. And also, you know, balance the study hall workouts, you know, learning how to start managing your time. I, I think that's, I mean, I think that kind of stuff, all those two months before spring practice even starts, is just as valuable as those 15 spring practices. All right, Rob, let me. As, I was just going to say, as far as jump-starting your, your career as a college student, learning yeah. what it's going to be like. Yeah, I mean, it's a job. I mean, it officially becomes a job for you um, in terms of the time investment that takes place there. Let me ask you a couple of other kind of off-the-wall questions, Rob, a little bit. Three players in, in Austin, jump in here too. Three players in the Senior Bowl this week. Cade Mays, Alante Taylor, Bayless Jones. Who helps himself the most? Who do you think captures 
the most attention of the three players at the Senior Bowl this week? I'll go Alante because of length, Rob. Um, Bayless has a different skill set, so I think he's got kind of more, uh, you know, a, a bigger tool set, so to speak. You know, I think Cade can help himself the most, though, because, you know, linemen are so different. But I, I do think the guy that, that that people are talking about is Alante because of his length. Yeah, I think his length is a big factor. I, I, but for him, I still think that it, so much of it is going to come down to what kind of time he, he runs at the combine or his pro day, you know, either one. I, th- I think that's going to be a huge question mark. I'm going to say Cade because I think – I know receivers and, and, and DBs go one-on-one, but I, I haven't been at – you know, I, I know the senior bowls is a, a step up, but haven't been at all these rivals camps, even when they're not wearing pads. To me, that's where you find out the most about guys – where you can find out the most about guys is just the one-on-ones with the pass blockers and the, and the edge guys, just, you know, how fast somebody is, what kind of punch they have initially, what kind of footwork somebody has. Um, and I mean, they'll be doing it in pads at the senior bowl. So I think Kate has the biggest chance. And uh, man, while we're talking about these guys, I want a shout out to, to Matthew Butler for yeah. the buzz he generated last week. I mean, hats off to that kid. I mean, I know, I think we, I think we're all pretty, pretty happy for him and the kind of guy that he was to deal with and how respected he was on that team. Yeah. All right. Now let's get to the real topic at hand. Wait a minute. I got one more question. Okay. Go go one more question before you decide. Okay. Go ahead. Um, if you're Alante Taylor, are you wanting some safety reps this week? I, I think or, that's or a great it, question. Or is that is that a downgrade in your opinion if that if they want you to work at safety? I mean, you're going to is a good ask. thing. Of- okay. That's, I mean, like I, I work vers- everywhere. That's I was going to say versatility is a big, is a big deal, but I think I think that's can- the biggest thing Cade's got going for him, Rob. Is he, he to put it in, in boat in his court too? He literally started every position on the offensive line in his college career, dating back to when he was at Georgia. He started all five, and in the SEC. I mean, every I mean, most weeks he was starting against, you know, playing at least a few reps against somebody that is playing on Sundays now or is getting ready to. All right, the NCAA said this week that they have to figure out the flopping issue for the integrity of the game. I think we've all – I think we all know that was coming. What do you think they're going to come up with? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the things that I've heard on the table, like the kid sits out the rest of the series, how fair – I mean, how, how big of a deal is that if he flops on what ends up – you know, it was first and goal on, on the five. I mean, I, I think I think X amount of plays – is is what is is the solution to me? I mean, whether that's five, six, eight, I don't know what the number is, but I think I, I think that's what it's got to be. Did they not call you and get your recommendations up? No, they didn't. Nobody seems to like my recommendation, but me. Anyway, you yeah. had a big, you had a bigger question. You had a more pressing question. Rob, who just went down to Austin, Texas. Rob, were you disappointed that the bats weren't under that bridge like they are in the summertime when you went down to Austin? I don't even know what you're talking about. That's unbelievable, Rob. I'm so disappointed. You need to go. You need to Google that. And I have no idea what you're talking about either. Bats in Austin, Texas. Do but, it. But speaking of basketball, a lot of buns in Austin, Texas, <laughs> in the backs of guys' heads. On the uh, speaking of, of basketball in Austin, Texas, Tennessee loses fifty-two to fifty-one. Uh, Rob, what what? Um, <laughs> I feel like it's a little bit of a broken record, so maybe it's not fair. But what what do you? What do you make it of this basketball? What do you make of this basketball? They just I mean, can't score. I mean, is that just they are what they are, and that's the, that's the end of the I mean, day? It's February. I mean, 
they're not turning over a new lead. I don't think. I mean, maybe that maybe they do. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I mean, and I don't think they're underachieving either. I mean, maybe they are in my mind a little bit, but not from a national or regional perspective. I mean, they were voted 18th in the preseason AP poll. They were picked fourth in the SEC. Guess what? They're they're ranked 20th right now, and they're tied for third in the SEC. So, I mean, they not they may they may not be what Tennessee fans hope they would be, but they're what most people from the outside looking in thought they would be. And I don't expect a lot of change. I mean, I think Kennedy can play better, but, you know, is he going to you know, suddenly turn into a first-team All-SEC player? I, I don't think so. Fulkerson, I've, I've given up trying to figure out what's going on there. I mean, he played 16 minutes at Texas A&M, took two shots on a night where, where they, they needed something. Um, I think they, they just look like – a team that's going to beat everybody they're supposed to beat and have a hard time beating somebody they're not. Does, do you think that coach Barnes and his staff will play more small ball? Do you think that they, that, you know, kind of the stretch four with, with Josiah James and, and one post player and, and that's kind of live a little bit more with that. Or I would, you- I'd almost, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I see a huge from, with what you're getting from your inside guys. What's the downside of playing Josiah at the five? You know, I would look at I'd look at everything. I mean, from from what you've got out of your ocean and, and Fulkerson and, and Olivier the other night, why I mean throw up in the toolbox and see what you got. I mean, you couldn't do that against everybody, but you could against some teams. In the last four minutes when Tennessee made their run, Kennedy Chandler was was on the bench. Um Big deal, that, that a big deal, or is that just the fact that, that Zakai was playing better and that, that's, that's I think that more about that game? I think it was more about Victor Bailey playing better than it was about Ziegler. I mean, okay. that's, I mean, because we see them play, you know, Kennedy and, and Zakai together a lot. So I think that was all about Bailey. And I mean, Rick is looking for any excuse to play. If Victor gives him any signs of life, he's going to get minutes. I mean, the kid works his tail <laughs> off in practice. Uh, every all, all of his teammates love him, and I mean, if he's bringing anything to the floor that, that night, you know, Rick's Rick's gonna give him, give him a chance. I mean, he played he played sixteen minutes against A and M. He played, I want to say, twenty minutes in the last five games, and didn't get off the bench last week against LSU. But you know, he should, he made that big effort play when he you know dove out of the bounds, hit the scoreboard on the loose ball. He he took a charge. Didn't get didn't see an extra possession. They turned into points. Uh, he had the offensive rebound and, and put back the tied the game up. Um, so if, if he's doing anything, Rick's going to play him. As far as Kennedy, and he still played 30 minutes in the right. game. I mean, yeah, I mean, sitting and not playing the last four, I mean, I, I think that probably was a little bit about him having three turnovers and, and no assist in, in the game. And But I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't think that means he's not going to play a bunch going forward. It, isn't it mind-boggling to you? That they make, I mean, we are now, I mean, as you said, just we're now to February and they have some of the most like elementary passing turnovers. Like, I mean, like they look like my six year old and eight year old passing it down here at Hardin Valley on Saturday mornings at times, like lazy, just kind of like telegraph. They get, you know, picked off. Like it's, I just don't, can, can you explain it? Cause I mean, like every time I watch them play, I feel like there's like two to three passes like that a game that like, again, people will go turn the ball over, but like these are talking about just like lazy passes. Yeah. But I mean, even with all that, they still don't turn the ball over that much. I mean, they, they had 11 
at Texas A&M. Texas A&M had Texas. 17. They play Texas A&M tonight. So Texas, Texas had 17 turnovers. Tennessee had 11. I mean, you'd live with that any night. I mean, even, even as bad as they've been some nights, they're fifth in the SEC in league play since um, in assist to turnover ratio. Um, they're one of the best teams in the nation in steals. They're just some of them are just so bad that it makes they're glaring. Think, they're glaring. Makes you think that they're turning over more than they are. Yeah. Well, so that gets me to this to, to, to these two questions, Rob. One, why are they not getting able? Why are they not able to generate more points off the turnovers they create? Is that because there's so many dead ball turnovers and it's not live ball situations? I mean, they're averaging almost they're averaging over nine steals a game. It doesn't feel like they get a lot of runouts. They get a lot of easy buckets with the turnovers they generate on the defensive end of the floor. I don't know if that's fair or not fair, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some of that. I mean, against Texas, against Texas, I mean, they did generate. I mean, that's where they got the majority of their offense. I think they got 23 points off okay. or, or 17 points off 11 turnovers. I mean, that kept them in it. Um, but they, they do get a ton of steals. I mean, Kennedy – Zakai, um, both rank in the top five in, in the league in, in steals per game. So, I mean, and Kennedy in, in particular, I think gets quite a few in the open court situation. But no, I mean, you're, you're right. They they don't turn them into points like like LSU did against Tennessee. You know, for instance, there's not a lot of that going on. And uh, offensively, I, you know, Rick just kept going on and on about not not taking shots the other night. I think yeah. I, I mean, he knows more than I do. I think the bigger thing is that other than Chandler, a few times a game, they just they're just not, they just don't have anybody that can that can penetrate and, and threaten the defense that way. I mean, Josiah is a, he's a junior now. I mean, it's, it's he can't do it. I mean, Santi can slither through some cracks, but he doesn't scare anybody with a first step. Zakai can can get in there, but as we saw the other night, I, I don't think a lot of teams are worried about him finishing. I mean, he's not gonna you know the guy. That, he may get by his guy, but the guy, you know, the six four guy guarding him can, can rise up and block the shot pretty easily, like we saw a couple times against Texas. Just you know, outside of Kennedy, who does it several times a game, but you just don't have a guy that can collapse a defense. Yeah, they just don't. It just doesn't feel like they force any help. Like nobody has to come off of the come off their man very often, um, but because that they move a defense, I guess vertically instead of just swinging it around the perimeter. And I give Texas credit. Um, there's a blueprint there. I don't know how many people can match it, but I mean, they, they lived in Santi's hip pocket for 40 minutes. I mean, I know he finished 0 for five or whatever from three, but I mean, what did he get? One look that counted? I mean, are two decent looks in the game? I mean, he he two he shot two or three as the shot clock expired, just kind of desperation heaves. I mean, he got no freedom. Texas was in him from from the get go, and he could not get free. And they could not screen to get him free. No, and he also played thirty-seven minutes, you know, where he was getting guarded hard. And I don't know, I, I don't know how much he had left in the tank. And that's not uncommon, sure. you know, for for Rick to lead him out there. And you know, I I know he talks about Santiago being being in elite shape, being in elite shape. I I still think that he probably had some heavy legs at the end of that one with that kind of usage. All right, interesting challenge for Tennessee tonight. What do you make of this A&M team that's coming to town? And then Tennessee obviously has to hold court at, or hold serve yeah. at home. Uh, I mean, I think it's a good opportunity for Tennessee. Texas A&M has lost four in a row. That's a little deceiving because two of those were to Kentucky, and the other one was, was on the road at Texas A&M. But the other one was, was an 11 o'clock 
or 11 point loss to South Carolina this week. I mean, they're, they're tough. They don't have a, you know, they don't shoot it great. They're a lot like Tennessee. I mean, they, they can ugly it up. Um, and you got four of their five starters were, were playing college basketball somewhere else last year. I mean, they're the poster child for rebuilding your roster through the transfer portal. So I'm not sure how cohesive um, of a unit they are, but they, but they're tough. Uh, I think Buzz Williams is a really good coach. I think, you know, he's a tough-minded guy. They're a reflection of that. But uh, I think it's maybe first one to 65 wins. I don't think it'll be pretty, but I like Tennessee's chances. Yeah, well, the uglier the better for Tennessee. I mean, to give them a chance to win, that's what they've got to do. I think this week's huge because if you win these two and get to seven and three in league play, that is, that's just massive. Because, I mean, that means sure. you're winning it's, a home game and then beating South Carolina on the road. And, and you've got your – all your toughest road games are in the rearview mirror. Yeah. So you played Alabama. You played Kentucky. You played LSU. The 16 or 18 league games? 18. 18. So, that would – you know, you'd be just past the halfway point and, you know, being pretty and, good. And speak, speaking of Alabama, we're getting off talk, off talk before we leave. Is there a crazier team in college? I mean, they had the two best non-conference wins of, of any team in the country, not just the SEC, against Gonzaga and at Baylor. And then in league play, they're four and four with losses to Missouri and Georgia. Yeah, I mean, it's, that, I mean, it's that, nuts. Yeah, his team, NATO's team, rides now. They got they got help with Baylor in the Baylor game because Baylor, you know, one of their elite players was not in that game. But give them credit, they they you know they found a way to win. They won that basketball game. Uh, they are the epitome of the roller coaster, that's for sure. As they roller coaster, Auburn is a mainstay. They're not going away anywhere. They continue to appear to be getting better. Kentucky is obviously getting better. South Carolina's found a little bit of life. Not that they're a very good team or anybody by any stretch of imagination, but they're going to be a better team the second go-around for Tennessee than they were the first go-around when they came into town. The question is, how much better can this Tennessee team get uh, Rick Barnes continues to say he believes this team can shoot and will shoot the basketball better. The time is now for this team to shoot the basketball better. We'll find out if they can do it against one of the better defenses in the SEC tonight as they host Texas A&M. We'll have full coverage of that, full coverage of recruiting continuing throughout the week as well. Uh, some other things regarding football coming down the pike. Lots of stuff going on at VolQuest.com. And we'll have an update on Rob and the Bats in Austin coming up Thursday on the Mailbag Edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. I guess I've got to go Google that and figure out. Is that from like a TV show that you watch? Or are you giving me a history lesson that I'm going to feel really embarrassed about when I go Google this? Is that what you're doing? Just extremely disappointed in you guys. It's not the first time you've been disappointed in me, Austin Price, nor will it be the last. But that's going to do it for the Tuesday edition of the VolQuest.com podcast presented by Smoky Mountain organics for Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.